Shopping, Archie. I should be back. Oh, Fritz was hurt too. He has left that tie just sitting there on his desk. He certainly has. Oh, what if someone should come in? It doesn't look right, Archie. Is this uh, Schlampik, yeah? Oh, yeah. The desk of a great detective and a great man should not have a soiled tie on it. Certainly not. There is a limit to the duties of a chef and housekeeper. One has to draw the line somewhere. My list of functions from confidential assistant detective down to errand boy does not include being a valet. Besides, there is my arthritis. You haven't got arthritis, Archie. Arthritis is beside the point, Fritz. Consider the dignity of man. Yes. He could have taken it upstairs on his way to the plant rooms. He... Someone is here. You could put it in a drawer. That would be evading the issue. I suppose so. I agree. It's a delicate affair. I'm going out the back, Archie. Good afternoon. I'd like to see Nero Wolf, please. I'm afraid Mr. Wolf sees people only by appointment. But this is urgent, very urgent. I'm sorry. Mr. Wolf is engaged at the moment. Could I wait till he's free? Please. Sure, sure. Come on in out of the cold. Oh, thank you. We'll, uh, we'll go to the office. Mr. Wolf won't be available until six. I'll have to see him first and tell him about you. My name is Archie Goodwin. What's yours? I'd rather not say. Hmm? Until I know if Mr. Wolf will take my case. It's very confidential. Uh, you'll have to tell him what your case is before he decides if he'll take it. And I'll be sitting there listening, so... Oh, also, I'll have to tell him more about you than that you're 35 years old, weigh 120 pounds, wear no earrings before he decides if he'll even see you. Uh, I, I'm 42. What? Well, there you are. See, I need the facts. It's very confidential. But I suppose there was no sense in coming unless I tell you. That's right. Please sit down. Very well. My name is Bertha Aaron, spelled with two A's. I'm the private secretary of Mr. Lamont Otis, senior partner in the law firm of Otis, Edie, Hedeker and Jett. I'm worried about something that happened recently, and I want Mr. Wolf to investigate it. Were you sent by someone in the firm? Oh, no. Nobody sent me. Nobody knows I'm here. Well, what happened? 
Maybe I shouldn't have come. No. I, I didn't realize. Maybe I'd better not. Well, suit yourself, Mrs. Aaron. Uh, Miss Aaron. Yes, yes, I'm not married. Hmm. Oh, this is silly. I, I've got to tell it. I owe it to Mr. Otis. I, I couldn't go to him about this because he's 75 years old and has a bad heart. It could kill him. Miss Aaron, why don't you tell me what happened? What happened was that I saw a member of the firm with our opponent in a very important case at a place where they wouldn't have met. But there, there could be exceptions. It might have been accidental. No, it couldn't have been an accident. When and where did you see them? Last Monday, a week ago today, in the evening. They were together in a booth in a cheap restaurant. The kind of place she would never go to, never. I, I only went in there to use the phone. They didn't see me. Then one of them is a woman. Oh, I said she. <laughs> yes, yes, the, the opposing client is a woman. Well, isn't it possible... I mean, just possible that the member of your firm wasn't a traitor? And that there's some explanation? Well, of course. I worried about that for a week. And this afternoon, I couldn't stand it anymore, so I faced him with it. There is no question. He's a traitor. What did he say? It wasn't so much what he said as how he looked. He said he had a satisfactory explanation, but that he couldn't tell me what it was. And that's when I thought of Nero Wolf. So I put on my hat and coat and came. Now, it's urgent. You can see it's urgent. Mm-hmm. It could be. Look, Mr. Wolf would have to know first what your firm's case is about. Oh, I couldn't tell you that. There are some kinds he won't touch, even indirectly. Now, come on. You can tell me. Does he have to know? Yeah, he does. Anyhow, I read the papers, and you told me the name of your firm and that it's a big, important case, and the opposing client is a woman. So is your client Morton Sorrell? Yes. And the opposing client is Rita Sorrell, his wife? Yes. Mm-hmm. It's just 5.39. Cross your fingers and sit tight. I'll go up to him. Excuse me for interrupting, but I have a problem. What time is it? Uh, it's, uh, 19 minutes to six. It can wait 19 minutes. Oh, I know, but there's a snag. If you come down and find her there in the office with no warning, it would be hopeless. Find whom? A nice woman named Bertha Aaron. She's got a problem. It's a new kind of problem, and I came up to describe it to you so you can decide whether I go down and shoo her out or you come down and give it a look. You have interrupted me. You have violated our understanding. Well, I said excuse me. And since you're already interrupted, well, I might as well tell you. She is the private secretary of Lamont Otis, senior partner of one of the top law firms in the country. They have a client. More than Sorrell. Sorrell, the divorce case in the news? Well, there is a lot. Broadway star sues hubby for 30 million? The papers do tend to dwell on the sensationalistic... So that's why you pranced in here. I did not prance, I was. You do quite well. I would have nothing to do with it. I knew you wouldn't get divorce evidence, and neither would I. But what's that got to do with this? You wouldn't even have to touch this. No, that marital squabble might be the central point of the matter. Send her away. I can't do that. I told her that I would try to... I will not come down to the office till you ring me on the house phone and say that she's gone. But you haven't even heard. That is my final word. I 
stopped for a moment and arranged my face so Bertha Aaron would know the answer as soon as she looked at me. Then I entered. Two objects were on the rug which hadn't been there when I left. A big hunk of jade which Wolf used for a paperweight and Bertha Aaron. Her eyes were open and popping. Around her neck, knotted at the side, was Wolf's necktie. There was no question she was dead, but I did the usual tests. Then I sat back and wondered what to do. It's after six. To hell. Yes? You can come down now. She's gone. These germination charts, Archie, I want you to see... You said she was gone. She is. She's dead? Very. I, uh, I presume that she was alive when you left her to come up to me. Oh, yes, sir, sitting in that chair. She was alone. No one came with her. The door was locked, as always. Fritz is out shopping. When I found her, she was on her side. I turned her over to test for breathing after I cut the necktie off. Uh, was... What necktie? The one you left on your desk. It was around her throat. Probably she was knocked out first by that uh, paperweight. My and... necktie? Yes, sir. That's what stopped her breathing, as you can see by her face. Do you, you know, dare to suggest it. that she was strangled with my necktie? I don't suggest it. I state it. I do dare to suggest that if it hadn't been there handy, he might have had to use something else, like maybe a handkerchief. And also that if we had come down a little sooner, instead of having some kind of a silly oh, squabble up, up there... Yes, sir. This is insupportable. I... I will not accept it. No, sir. I could burn the tie. And then we could tell Kramer that whatever he used, he must have waited until he was sure she was dead, then removed Shut it. Up. She told you that nobody knew she came. There's not a chance of that, and you know it. We're stuck. I put off calling until you came down, but it's already been 16 minutes. Would you rather call Kramer yourself? <laughs> I still think you're lying, Goodwin. Inspector Kramer, you've been questioning me now for five hours. Now, look, you know me well enough. I know I you gonna... well enough to know you're capable of saving something for your private use. You ask me to believe that she Excuse didn't... me, I don't care a single measly damn about what you believe. If you know what she said better than I do, then that's just fine with me. I was talking. I was interrupting... You say that she gave you all those details, but she didn't name the member of the firm? I That's don't right. believe it. And I'm telling you this, Goodwin. If you or Wolf use that name to get yourself hired to investigate this murder, say, and you use information you have withheld for me to solve a case and collect a fee, I'll get you for it if it costs me an eye. Look, apparently you don't realize the morning papers will be full of the fact that a woman who had come to consult Nero Wolf was murdered in his office, strangled with his necktie while he was up playing with his orcas and chatting with Archie Goodwin. I can hear the horse laugh from here. If we had known which member of the firm it was, I would have got him before you even arrived. How did he know she was here? How did he get in? For the last time, I don't know. Now, I've discussed that with Rowcliffe, with you, with Pearlie Stevens over there, and I'll discuss it again. Oh, what the hell. Come on, Stevens, let's pack it up. Oh, good one. Yeah. If it costs me both eyes. Okay, everybody's gone, Fritz. I've locked up. Thank you, Archie. Hey, three empty wine bottles. We didn't even eat dinner. I drank them, Archie. You're pie-eyed. No, Archie, I have tried, but no. 
Oh, boy. Go to bed. It's nearly midnight. No, he, he will be hungry. He may never be hungry again. Pleasant dreams, Fritz. Yes? Everybody's gone. Last one's up. Fritz is standing watching the kitchen, expecting a call for food. You better buzz him. Can you sleep? You probably always have. I can't even read. Archie, have you ever known me to show rancor? I have to look up in the dictionary. Vehement ill will. Intense malignity. No, I've never known you to show rancor. I have it now. And it's in the way. I can't think clearly. I intend to expose that wretch before the police do. I want Saul and Fred and Ari here at 8 o'clock in the morning. Okay. I don't know how I'll use them yet, but... Oh, now what? I'll be right back. I would like to see Mr. Wolf, please. About my secretary, Miss Bertha Aaron. You're Lamont Otis. I am. This is Miss Anne Page. My associate, a member of the bar. How do you do? Uh, do? Coming at this late hour is justified, I think, by the circumstances. Yes, I see what you mean. Just just a minute. Uh, hey! Hey, you over there. Uh, across the street. Come on. Who are you? Jillian or Murphy? Come on over here, man. What on earth? Oh, yes, it's you. Sergeant Wiley. Come on up here. What for? May I ask what this is about? You may. An inspector named Kramer is in danger of losing an eye, and that would be a shame. Uh, Mr. Otis. Yes? I'd appreciate it if you'd answer a simple question... Were you asked to come here by either Mr. Wolf or me? Certainly not. Was your coming entirely your own idea? Yes. No, but I don't... Excuse me, you heard him, Wiley. Include yeah. that in your report. It will say wear and tear on Kramer's nerves. Much obliged. Happy watchdogging. Come in, Mr. Otis. Miss Page, I'll tell Mr. Wolf you're here. Mr. Otis, I owe you an apology. A valued and trusted employee of yours has died by violence under my roof. If you came to reproach me, proceed. I didn't come to reproach you. The police have told me how she was killed, but not why she was here. I think I have a right to know. Yeah. How old are you, Miss Rodas? I'm 75. Why? I don't intend to have another death in my office, this time induced by me. Miss Aaron told Mr. Goodwin that the reason she didn't go to you with her problem was that she feared the effect on you. Uh, her words, Archie... He has a bad heart, and it might kill him. Bosh! My heart has given me a little trouble, and I've had to slow down, but it would take more than a problem to kill me. She exaggerated it. She was so devoted to Mr. Otis that she had an exaggerated idea about his heart condition. Miss Page, why did you come here with Mr. Otis? Not because of his heart. Because he asked me to, I do shorthand. And if I tell Mr. Otis, will you take responsibility for the effect of... Yeah, I take the responsibility. It's my heart. I doubt if the effect of telling him would be as bad as the effect of not telling him. I take no responsibility, but you have me as a witness that he insisted. Ah. Very well, Archie. Give Mr. Otis a copy of the statement you typed up for the police. Yes, sir. Uh, perhaps if you looked at this paragraph first, Mr. Otis... Uh. Uh, I shouldn't have brought you, Anne. You'll have to leave. Believe me, Mr. Otis, you can trust me. On anything, believe me. Um, if it's that bad, you shouldn't be alone with it. I must be. I couldn't trust you on this. You'll have to leave. You can wait in the front room, Miss Page. The wall and the door are soundproof. If you'll follow me, please. Yes, all right. We have given you all the information we have, but I had this. 
First, that nothing in that statement will be revealed to anyone by Mr. Goodwin or me without your consent. And second, that my my self-esteem has been severely injured, and it has given me great satisfaction to expose the murderer. I would welcome your help. You are making a wholly unwarranted assumption. The police hypothesis, and mine, is the obvious one that a member of your firm killed Miss Harold. That hypothesis could destroy my firm's reputation. Why should I help you? Because if you do, I will have two objectives to get the murderer and to see that your firm suffers as little as possible. If you don't, I'll have only one. Mr. Wolf, why should I accept that a member of my firm killed Miss Aaron? How did he know that she was here? She said that nobody knew. He could have followed her. Evidently, she left your office soon after she talked with him. Uh, Archie. Well, she probably walked here. It's not far. It would have been a sense to tailor on foot. How did he get in? Did he sneak in unseen when you admitted her? No, it's not possible. He saw her enter and knew that this is Nero Wolf's address. He went to the phone booth and rang this number, and she answered. This phone on my desk. With me not here, that would be automatic for a trained secretary. Would she do that, Mr. Otis? Mm, it's quite conceivable, yeah. Okay, okay. She answered. He said he wanted to see her at once and would give her a satisfactory explanation, and she told him to come here. And when he came, Fritz wasn't here. She let him in. All he was expecting to do was stall for time. But when he learned that she was alone in the office and she hadn't seen Mr. Wolf yet... He had another idea, and he acted on it. It could have taken two minutes. You know, all that is mere conjecture. Well, if you have one that fits any better, I do shorthand, too. Uh, the police have covered everything here for fingerprints? Sure. But in winter, I suppose the members of your firm wear gloves. Uh, may I have a glass of water? Oh, may I suggest some brandy? Oh, just water, thank you. For washing down these pills. Yes, sir, here you are. Will they help the pills? Yes, the pills are reliable. Thank you. Uh, how can I help you? By giving me information. It must be supposed that our killer was in a position to give Mrs. Sorrell information that would help her in her action at law against her husband. That's true? Of course. Here, privately with you, it's not merely her action at law, it's blackmail. Her demands are exorbitant and preposterous. Ah. And a member of your firm could give her weapons. Well, which one? Or ones? I won't answer that. Which member of your firm was in a position to betray its interests to Mrs. Sorrell? They all were. Our client, Mr. Sorrell, is vulnerable in certain respects, and my three partners and I conferred together on it. But it could only be a partner in the firm, that is, Frank Eady, Miles Haydecker, or Gregory Jett. And that's incredible. Is it equally incredible for all three men, or other preferences? Oh, please, you're asking me to... Had talk. any of them, any problems, say with money, women, whatever? Certainly not. At least I shouldn't think so. Uh, Frank Edie, who is the oldest partner next to me, would be in a very sound financial condition. He's a family man. Mm, interests in other women? Uh, I think so, yes, definitely, very discreet. And Mr. Haydecker? Miles is extremely clever with money and has, I should think, amassed a considerable amount of it. Women? Well, I think Miles is too interested in his work and his hobbies, uh, chess and behind-the-scenes politics, to bother with women, including his wife. Now, Mr. Jett? Gregory is our junior partner. We made him a member of the firm just two years ago after he had made a spectacular success in two big... Corporation cases. Oh, yes. His financial condition is 
I am in an extremely unpleasant position, Mr. Wolf. You are indeed, sir. You'll find it worse when you talk with the police. Uh, Gregory is in the red. In his account with the firm last year, he made a bad investment, a Broadway show. Seems a friend of his, a female, was in the cast. Mm-hmm. Have there been any other expenses connected with female friends? No, not, not that I know of, for certain. Not recently. Seems to have settled down. Miss Aaron told me recently that he has been paying more attention to Miss Page than their professional association required. Is that why you asked her to leave? Because mm. you couldn't count on her loyalty in a matter concerning Mr. Jett? Yes, I... Uh, Mr. Wolf, I cannot continue this at the moment. It's been quite a shock. I'm afraid I overestimated my stamina. But I would like to accept, tentatively at least, your offer of help. May I answer your questions tomorrow? At your convenience, of course. Well, that got us ahead by leaps and bounds. Do I still get Saul and Fred and Ori? No, not yet. To what purpose? I don't know. You're the genius. Find the restaurant where they met, maybe. Check out the alibis for the murder time. Pointless. By mid-morning, Mr. Kramer and the DA will have a hundred men pursuing those things. And two hundred. This is special. Put three men on those things would be frivolous. All right. So what do we do? Play chess? I have one thought. Go ahead. Will the police tackle Mrs. Sorrell? Oh. I doubt it. Not right away. Kramer would save that till he questioned the partners. I mean, going to Mrs. Sorrell would spill it. Yeah. She is young and comely. Oh, yeah. yeah. I've never seen her offstage. You've seen pictures of her. Archie, you have a flair for dealing with personable young women. Sure, they melt like chocolate bars in the sun, but... Wait a minute. You're exaggerating it a little if you think I can go to that specimen and ask her which member of the firm she met in a cheap restaurant and she'll wrap her arms around me and murmur his name in my ear. That might take me an hour or more. Can you find out where Mrs. Sorrell is? I already know. It's the Churchill was in the papers. Address an envelope, Archie, to Mrs. Sorrell in your handwriting and mark it personal and confidential. And what will be in that envelope? A card. Handwritten. Which says... Uh, we were seen that evening in the restaurant as we sat in the booth. Uh, it would be dangerous to phone you or for you to phone me, stop. You can trust the bearer of this card. Signed? Unsigned. And who delivers it? You do. Later this morning, to the doorman of the Churchill, to be sent up to Mrs. Sorrell. You will wait for a reply. Now, will that get you in to see her? Oh, I think there's a fair chance. Yes, Archie, I think so, too. seen you before. What's your name? Goodwin. Archie Goodwin. You may have seen my picture in the morning paper. Oh, of course. What is this card all about? It's crazy. Where did you get it? I wrote it. You wrote it? Well, it was a trick. I made it up. I tried to write something that would make you curious enough to see me. 
I don't understand. Okay, I might as well confess, Mr. Sorrell. I have been at your feet for years. The only pictures in my heart are of you. <laughs> One smile from you, just for me, would be rapture. I thought that now that you left your husband, I might be able to do something, render some little service that would earn me a smile. Mr. Goodwin, I hardly know how to take you. You overwhelm me, really, you do. Have you any particular service in mind? Well, if I might come in, now that you have, smile at me. Of course. So please sit down. Thank you. Not many people ever have a chance like this, an offer of service from a famous detective. What should it be? Well, I, uh, I can't sew on buttons. And so can I. Hmm. I could walk along behind you and carry an umbrella in case it rains. I don't walk much. Hmm. It might be better to carry a gun. You mentioned my husband. I honestly believe he's capable of hiring someone to kill me. You're handsome, very handsome. Are you brave? Well, it depends. I probably could be if you were looking on. By the way, now that I'm here, and this is a day I'll never forget, I might as well ask you something. I, since you saw my picture in the paper, I suppose you read about what happened in Nero Wolf's office yesterday. That woman murdered Bertha Aaron, was it? I read a part of it. I, I don't like to read about murders. Did you read who she was? Private Secretary of Lamont Otis, partner of Otis, Edie Haydecker, and Jet? I didn't notice. I thought you might because they're your husband's attorneys. Oh, you knew that, of course. Oh, of course. I didn't notice. I guess you didn't read that part, or you would have noticed those names, since you know all four of them. What I wanted to ask was, did you know Bertha Heron? No. Oh, I thought you might, since she worked for the firm that represents your husband, and they handled a case for you once. You never met her. No. Hmm. You seem to know a good deal about that firm and my husband. You said that so nicely about being at my feet and the only picture in your heart. Mm -hmm. So they sent you, or Nero Wolf did, and he's working for my husband. No, no, he isn't. Well, he's working for that law firm. That's the same thing. No, he's working for nobody but himself. Oh, you're lying. I only allow myself so many lies a day, and I'm careful not to waste them. Mr. Wolf is upset because that woman was killed in his office, and he intends to get even. He is working for himself. He thought you might have known Bertha Aaron and could tell me something about her that could help. I can't. Oh, that's too bad. I'm still at your feet. I like you there. You're <laughs> very handsome. <laughs> I just had an idea. Wouldn't Nero Wolf work for me? Well, he might. What would you want him to do? I'd rather tell him. Well, if you'd like to go now, I'd be glad to take you. He'll be free till one o'clock. I wonder. You wonder what? Nothing. No, I won't go now. I'll think it over. Oh, I'm sorry, I can't help. But I'd never met that woman. What was her name? Bertha Aaron. I'd never heard of her. I may ring you later today. Hmm. I'll think it over. and in front of the building I was joined by a little guy with a big nose who looked at first sight as though he might make 40 bucks a week waxing floors. Actually, Saul Panzer was one of the highest paid operatives in the metropolitan area. Oh, I saw him. Any plain clothes around? None I know, and I think none I don't know. You saw her? Yeah. I doubt it's her honor. I stung her and she may be moving. Uh, the boys are covering Yeah. Bed at the north entrance or at the south. I hope she takes the front. Yeah, so do I. See you in court, Saul. It was 11.40 when I got back to the house, so I expected Wolf to be in the office. He wasn't. But a stranger was. Morning. Good 
good morning. I would... So I continued on to the kitchen where I found the great man conferring with Fritz. I cannot use Unworth. We've had this discussion many, many times. I know. We have. You forgot to leave the necktie on your desk. Oh. The man in there is Gregory Jett. He spent the morning at the DA's office. I excused myself because I wanted to hear from you before talking with him. Now, did you see that woman? Yes, sir. She's a gem. There is now no question about Bertha Aaron's basic fact that a member of the firm was with Mrs. Sorrell in that restaurant. Ah, she admitted it. No, no, but she confirmed it. We talked for about 20 minutes and she never mentioned the card after the first half a minute. She told me I was handsome twice. She smiled at me six times. She said she'd never heard of Bertha Aaron and she asked if you would work for her. She may phone for an appointment. Uh, do you want it all verbatim now? Now, later we'll do. The men are there. Yeah, Saul, Fred, and Ori are covering every entrance of that building, but it's wasted. She's not a fool, anything but... She's a very tough article, and she's after 30 million bucks. What's uh, biting Gregory Jett out there? I don't know. Shall we see? I said my business was urgent, and you kept me waiting 20 minutes. You're rather cheeky, aren't you? Moderately so. If this pressure, sir, is on you, not on me. Am I concerned? You are involved, and you're an employee. I presume this is Archie Goodwin. That's my name. Last night, you gave a statement to the police about your conversation with Bertha Aaron, and you gave a copy of it to Lamont Otis, the senior member of my firm. Did I? I'm only an employee. Ask Mr. Wolf. I'm not asking. I'm telling. I want to know what is in that statement. Mr. Otis is an old man, and his heart is weak. To show him that statement was irresponsible and reprehensible. As his partner, I want to know what is in it. Well, cheek meets cheek. You are manifestly indomitable, and I must buckle my breastplate. Who told you the statement exists and when? Someone in whom I have the utmost confidence. Mr. Otis himself? No. When did Miss Page tell you about it this morning? No, last night she phoned me. At what time? About midnight, shortly after. As soon as she took Mr. Otis home? Why so promptly? That is not your affair. Mr. Jett, you are trying my patience. I may or may not tell you what was in that statement, but first, I must be satisfied that you have a valid reason for knowing. Very well. I'll have to trust to your discretion, since there is no alternative. When Otis told Miss Page she had to leave, she suspected that Miss Aaron had told Goodwin here something about me. Why about you? There's been no hint of it? Because he said to her, I couldn't trust you on this. You see, Miss Page and I are engaged to marry. It hasn't been announced yet, but it's probably no secret around the office. Uh, and that's the whole reason for your concern? No, it isn't. Added to that was the fact that she knew that Miss Aaron might have had knowledge, or at least suspicion, of a certain uh, uh, episode in which I had been involved. An episode of which Mr. Otis would have violently disapproved. What was the episode? Uh, no, I wouldn't tell you that even in confidence. Well, what was its nature? It was a personal matter. Did it bear on the interests of your firm or your partner? No, it was strictly personal. Did it touch your professional reputation or integrity? It did not. Was a woman involved? Yes. Ah. Her name? I'm not a cad, Mr. Wolf. Was it Mrs. Morton Sorrell? Ah, so that was it. Miss Page was right. I demand to see that statement. Not yet, sir. Later, perhaps. Do you maintain that the episode involving Mrs. Sorrell had no relation to your firm's interests or your professional integrity? I do. It was purely personal and it was brief. When did it occur? About a year ago. A year ago? When did you last see her? About a month ago at a party. I did not speak with her. When were you last with her tete-a-tete? 
Not for nearly a year. But you're still seriously perturbed at the chance that Mr. Otis has learned of the episode? Certainly. Mr. Sorrell is our client, and his wife is our opponent in a very important matter. Mr. Otis might suspect that the episode was not merely an episode. I want to see that statement, and I have a right to see it. Don't start barking again. I'll tell you this. There is nothing in the statement either explicit or elusive about the episode you've described. That should relieve your mind. Beyond that, I... Excuse me, sir. Yes, Fritz, what is it? Uh, Mr. Edian and Mr. Haydecker are here, sir. They say it is urgent. Edie and Haydecker? What? Yes, sir. Uninvited and unexpected. You may leave unseen if you wish. Well, uh, no, have them in. I'd like to hear what they want. All right, bring the gentleman in, Fritz. And Mr. Wolf will see you. Thank you. Mr. Wolf. Greg, what, uh, what are you doing here? Well, I might ask you the same question. We came for information. I suppose you did, too. Unless you got more at the DA's office than we did. I got damn little. They didn't answer questions. They asked them. Obviously, they think Bertha was killed by someone connected with the firm, but they don't say why. At least, not to me. Nor me. Nor me. What has Wolf told you? Not much. I haven't been here long. Uh, I presume that you gentlemen have come with the same purpose as Mr. Zeth. He asks for any information that will give light, with emphasis on the reason for Miss Aaron's coming to see me. He That's assumes... It. What was she here for? If you please. Surely the police and the district attorney haven't withheld all of the details from you. Haven't they told you that she didn't see me? No, they haven't told me. Nor me. Then I'll tell you. She came without appointment. Mr. Goodwin admitted her. She asked to see me on a confidential matter, but I was engaged upstairs, and Mr. Goodwin came to tell me that she was here. We had a, uh, a matter under consideration and um, discussed it at some length, and when we came down, her dead body was there on the floor. So she couldn't tell me what she came for, since I never saw her alive. <laughs> I, uh, I don't get it. If the police don't know what she came to see you about, well, why do they think she was killed by someone in our office? Mr. Goodwin. Yes. You admitted her. She was alone. Yes. You saw no one else around uh, on the sidewalk? No. Well, of course, it was dark. It was uh, 20 minutes past 5 on January the 5th. The sun set at 4.46. How did... I looked it up. You conducted her to this room? Yes. Leaving the outer door open? No. That's... You're certain of that? Oh, Yes. If I have one habit that's totally automatic, it's closing that door and making sure it's locked. Automatic habits are dangerous things, Mr. Goodwin. Sometimes they fail you. Now, wait. Uh, when you brought I... her to this room, did you sit? Yes. Where? Where I am now. Where did she sit? Above where you are. What did she say? That she wanted to see Nero Wolf, that her name was Bertha Aaron, and that she worked for your firm. What else did she say? Nothing. Absolutely nothing? Right. You are Nero Wolf's confidential assistant. He was engaged elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Do you expect me to believe that you did not insist on knowing the nature of her case before you went to him? No, if you'd rather not. Nero Wolf's residence, Archie Goodwin speaking. This is Rita Sorrell, Mr. Goodwin. Oh. I've decided Hold that... it, please. Just a second. Uh, that woman you sent a card to? The one who told me I was handsome. Uh, you want to listen on the extension? Yes. Sorry, uh, you have decided? I've decided that it'll be best to tell you what you came this morning to find out. Oh. You are too clever for me. Mm. The only pictures in your heart are of me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did sit with a man in a restaurant one evening last week. Mm -hmm. 
What evening was it? It was Monday. That's right. Hmm. And you want to know who the man was, don't you? Oh, it would help. I want to help. You are very handsome. <laughs> His name is Gregory Jett. Many thanks. If you want to uh, help even more... That woman is a confounded nuisance. Yes, sir. I suppose we'll have to humor her. Yes, sir, or shoot her. You've seen her and talked with her, Archie. Can we rely on that? I have to toss a coin. Several coins. I told you. She's a gem. Obviously. Gentlemen, that was Mrs. Morton Sorrell on the phone. What she said has persuaded me that you deserve candor. Did you say Sorrell? I did, Mr. Haydecker. If she'd called 20 seconds earlier, Mr. Goodwin wouldn't have had to waste a lie. Archie, tell Mr. Haydecker the truth. Yes, sir. I did insist on knowing the nature of Bertha Aaron's case before I went to Mr. Wolf, and she told me. She said she had accidentally seen a member of the firm in secret conference with Mrs. Morton Sorrell one day last week. After worrying about it for some time, she told him about it that afternoon and asked for an explanation. And he didn't have one. So he was a traitor. I don't believe it. Nor I. A member of the firm. Did she name the man? No, she didn't. Do you expect us to believe that Bertha Aaron would come to an outsider with a story? No more cross-examination, Mr. Haydecker. I indulged you before, but not now. Your questions are to be asked. I'll do the asking. As for Mr. Goodwin's bona fides, he's given a signed statement to the police and he is not an ass. Good God. No wonder the police assume. The assumption of the police is that Miss Aaron was killed by the man she'd accused of treachery, and that's an assumption I share with them. Evidently, the police have preferred to reserve the statement, and so have I until now. But no longer, since Mrs. Sorrell has named the member of your firm that she was seen with. On the phone, just now. One of you. Who? I'm not going to tell you just yet. And that will make the pressure on one of you unbearable. You're playing games with us. I demand... No, sir. Mr. Goodwin saw Mrs. Sorrell this morning and found her devious. I need to substantiate her information before I use it. I need to know what each of you was doing on Monday evening of last week. Eight days ago. To what purpose? Because that was when one of you was seen by Miss Aaron in conference with Mrs. Sorrell. So I'm going to ask you now, Mr. Jett, how did you spend last Monday, say, from six o'clock to midnight? I was at a theater with a friend. The friend's name? Miss Anne Page. Ah, what theater? The Drew. The play was practiced next perfect. Miss Page and I left the office together shortly before six and had dinner at Rustaman's. We were together continuously until after midnight. You, Mr. Eady. Ah, that was the Monday before New Year's. I got home before six o'clock and ate dinner there and was there all evening. Alone? No. My son and his wife and two children spent the holiday week with us. They went to the opera with my wife and daughter and I stayed home with the children. Mm. How old are the children? Two and four. And where is your home? An apartment, Park Avenue and 69th Street. Did you go out at all? No. Thank you. Mr. Haydecker. I was at the Manhattan Chess Club, watching a tournament. Bobby Fischer won his adjourned game with Weinstein in 58 moves. Larry Evans drew with Calmay, and Rashevsky drew with Mednis. Did they? Mm -hmm. And did play start at 6 o'clock? Certainly not. I was in court all day and had things to do at the office. My secretary and I had sandwiches at my desk. And what time did you leave the office? Around 8 o'clock. 
my secretary would know. What time did you arrive at the chess club? Fifteen or twenty minutes after I left the office. Damn it, this is ridiculous. You may be on the square, Wolf. I don't know. If you are, God help us. Frank, I'm going to see Otis. Are you coming? Yes, I am. I think we should say nothing more till we talk with him. You agree, Greg? Yes, I do. Do I get solemn, Fred? To what purpose? To check their alibis. Oh, pointless. They have no alibis. You weren't listening. Their alibis are worthless. One with his fiancée, one watching a chess tournament, one at home with young children in bed asleep. Ah! I asked on the chance that one of them, possibly two, might be eliminated, but no, there are still three. And what do we do? It's one o'clock. We have lunch. Inspector Kramer arrived right after lunch. And was he glowering? Have you an appointment? I have in my pocket a warrant for your arrest as a material witness. And one for you, too, Wolf. I warned you. Tommy Roch. I'll serve these only if I have to. Damn it! We were withholding the contents of the statement you and Goodwin gave us, and you knew it, and you revealed them. Frank Edie has admitted it. He phoned an assistant DA. Edie's a jackass. Yeah. Who's your client, Otis? I have no client. I am going to avenge an affront to my dignity and my self-esteem. I cannot escape the ignominy of having my necktie presented in a courtroom as an exhibit for the prosecution, may even be called to the stand to identify it. But I want the satisfaction of exposing the culprit who used it. And in telling those men what I did, I served my legitimate personal interests and I violated no law. You knew damn well we were withholding it. I am not bound to respect your tactics, either by statute or by custom. <sighs> Mr. Kramer, this is pointless. You have a warrant for my arrest as a material witness, but you don't serve it, so it obviously is only a cudgel for you to brandish. To what end? What do you want? I want the truth. If I take Goodwin's statement as it stands, if he put nothing in and left nothing out, one of those three men killed Bertha Aaron, you agree? Yes. But if a jury takes Goodwin's statement as it stands, it would be impossible to get one of those men convicted. Uh, Explain, please. She got here at 5.20. And he was with her in this room till 5.39. Right, Goodwin? That's right. Then you went up to the plant room and talked to Wolf. Right. You returned to this room and found the body shortly after 6. Right? Right again. Then listen to this. Those three men had a conference on a case in Frank Edie's office scheduled for 5.30. Edie and Jet were there ahead of time. And Haydecker joined them at 5.45. He says he had gone out on an errand which took longer than he expected. The three of them... Stayed there together until 6.35. Verified by Edie's secretary. Explain that. What was Haydecker's errand? We went to three theaters to buy tickets. We've checked. They don't remember him at the theaters. But even if you take him, what have you got? Bertha Aaron was alive at 5.39. Haydecker was at the conference at 5.45. Proved. Six minutes to follow her. Phone this number, come in, and be admitted by her, kill her, and get back to that office more than a mile away, fully. And, of course, the assumption that one of them hired a thug to kill her isn't tenable. Here, in your office, with your necktie? Nuts. You can take your pick of two assumptions. One, they're lying. The conference didn't start at 5.30 and or Haydecker didn't join them at 5.45. Two... Goodwin's statement is a phony. Archie, get Mr. Parker at once. Right. 
Mr. Kramer, Mr. Goodwin reported fully and accurately. And the statement he signed corresponds in every respect with what he told me. So if you came armed with warrants to challenge that, you're wasting your time. Here's Parker. Mr. Parker? Afternoon. Mr. Kramer is here waving warrants at Mr. Goodwin and me. No. Material witnesses. He may or may not serve them. Please have your secretary ring my number every ten minutes. If Fritz tells you that we have gone with Mr. Kramer, you will know what to do. Yes, of course, I... I, Oh, oh, just a moment. It seems Mr. Kramer is leaving. He has left. Thank you, Mr. Parker. I'll call again should I need you. I shouldn't think it would be necessary. Well, I don't think we should count on any favors from Kramer for a while. Ah, preposterous... Did he omit the third assumption deliberately? Huh? Mm. Has it occurred to him? I doubt it. He was concentrating on us. But it's a will. It has occurred to you. Hmm? Well, sure, sure. From that timetable, it's obvious. But when it does occur to him, he'll probably mess it up. It's not the kind he's good at. Yes. We must foresaw him. Can you get Mrs. Sorrell here? I can try. When do you want her now? No, I must have time to contrive a plan. What time is it? Ten after three. Uh, say six o'clock. We must also have the others, including Mr. Otis. Mr. Wolf, madam. I'm not in the habit of going to see men when they send for me. This is a new experience. Maybe that's why I came. I like new experiences. Mr. Goodwin said you wanted to discuss something. I do. Something private and personal. It is. How provocative. How can I resist? Since the uh, discussion will be more productive if it's frank and unreserved, we should uh, be alone. If you please, Archie, no notes will be needed. Mrs. Sorrell might want to ask me... No. Leave us, please. If you say so. I went straight down the hall to the front room. Everything was in order. The four partners and Miss Page were sitting there. Saul and Fred were standing in the center of the room. How long do you plan to keep us here? If you talk, you won't hear. And even if you don't want to hear, others do. You can talk later. As Mr. Wolf told you, there's a speaker behind the couch. And it's wired to a microphone in the office. He's in there talking with someone. Now, since you'll recognize the voice, I don't need to name her. Okay, Saul, turn it on. I'm not going to pretend that you named him and are committed... You told Mr. Goodwin on the phone today that you were with a man in a booth in a restaurant last Monday evening and you said his name is Gregory Jett. That's not true. Quietly. You could have been merely scattering dust and at will you can deny you made the call. What if I don't deny it? What if I repeat it? It was Gregory Jett. I wouldn't advise you to. Why not? Because it wasn't Mr. Jett. No. No, it was Mr. Haydecker. That's ridiculous. Shut up, Haydecker. That's interesting. Really interesting. So I sat in a booth with a man and didn't know who he was? Really, Mr. No, madam, I assure you it won't do. I'll expound it. I assumed that one of three men had killed Bertha Aaron, but... Three hours ago, I had to abandon that assumption when I learned that those three were in conference together in Mr. Eady's office at 5.45. Now, that all three men were lying, that they were in a joint conspiracy, was most unlikely, especially since others on the premises could probably impeach them. But though none of them could have killed her, 
one of them could have provoked her doom. Of the three, only Mr. Haydecker was known to have left around the same time as Miss Aaron. He said on a personal errand, but his movements couldn't be checked. Now, my new assumption, not yet a conclusion, was that he'd followed her to this address and seen her enter my house, had sought a phone and called you to warn you that your joint intrigue might soon be exposed. And then, no doubt in desperation, he'd scurried back to his office 15 minutes late for the conference. Haydecker, you're the traitor. Now, I don't believe you came here, madam, determined to murder. Indeed, you couldn't have, since you could have no expectation of finding her alone. Mr. Haydecker believes that you merely intended to salvage what you could, at best to prevent the disclosure, at worst, to learn where you stood. You called this number, and Miss Aaron answered and agreed to admit you and hear you. Mr. Haydecker believes that when you saw her sink to the floor, unconscious, and saw the necktie on this desk, the impulse carried you on. How does he know that? He believes... How do you know what he believes? A good question. I am not in his skull. I should have said he says he believes. He said nothing of a... Sit down, Haydecker. You might have known, madam, that he couldn't stand the pressure. His treachery to his firm will end his career. But uh, concealment of guilty knowledge of a murder might have ended his life. You might have known. He's lying. He killed her. He's a rat and a liar. He phoned me twice yesterday. First to tell me that we had been seen in the restaurant to warn me. And again about an hour later to say that he had dealt with her. That our plan was safe. So I knew he'd killed her. And I knew he would lie. That's why I came here. What time did he phone you the second time? Between... Five and six, about half past five. What was the plan he had made safe? It was his plan. He came to me about a month ago and said he could give me information about my husband that I could use to get my rights. He wanted... That's a lie. She came to me. He wanted me to pay a million dollars for it. And I finally said I would pay him one-tenth of what I got. That was at the restaurant. Has he given you the information? No, he wanted too much in advance. Of course, that was the difficulty. We couldn't put it in writing and sign it. No, indeed. A signed document is of little value when neither party would dare to produce it. I presume you realize, Mrs. Sorrell, that you'll have to appear on the stand at a murder trial. Are you prepared to testify under oath? I suppose I'll have to. I knew I would have to when I decided to come to see you. Then you are a dunce, madam. Oh, no, Mr. Wolf. I am not a dunce. Oh, but you are. One detail alone would sink you. After you rang this number yesterday afternoon and Miss Aaron answered and you spoke with her, you got here quickly. Unquestionably, you took a cab. Now, I need only telephone the police and suggest that they locate a cab driver who picked you up at or near the churchyard yesterday afternoon and drove you to this address. In fact, that's what I intend to do right now. Why are you doing this? Do you want money? No, madam. Oh, I confess a weakness. I am savoring... A satisfaction. I'm getting even with you. Twenty-five hours ago, in this room, you submitted me to the severest humiliation I've suffered for many years. I will not say it gives me pleasure, but I confess it gives you... I'll kill you, quick! I'll kill you! It was a sight I'd never seen before and never expect to see again. 
Nero Wolf with a woman in his lap with his arms wrapped tight around her, hugging her close to him. Confound it, Archie! Don't stand there! Get her! Yes, sir.